Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Michael Swoboda, and this is the Average Alaskan Podcast, the show where we cover the good, the bad, and the ugly of Alaskan outdoors and life here in Alaska. Welcome back, everybody. It's the first day of spring. We're happy here. We're missing somebody. Mr. Sean Love's not here. He's down on vacation, down at a wedding down in Oregon, so he will not be with us today, but I won't be flying solo because I have a master bush pilot with us today. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Miss Brittany Wildrum. Hey. I think I said it right. You did. Awesome. Good job. Awesome. We've got an awesome interview coming up for you guys. It's going to be great. But before we do that, going to jump into a listener question. But once again, before that, I just want to thank everybody for listening and supporting we appreciate everything. We appreciate your messages. And thank you for all the awesome ratings, reviews, emails you give us, all of that fun jazz. And we just ask that you tell a friend, expand the breadth of this podcast, leave us a like, leave us a review. We really appreciate it. We don't run ads to bother your eardrums. So all we ask is that you leave a nice little review wherever you listen for this. But anyways, we're going to hop into a listener question. Daniel wrote in asking about this upcoming spring black bear season. He plans on coming down to Homer area and had a question about navigating Catchmack Bay using an inflatable skiff. And I told him uh, we're going to address it on here. Kind of, you know, had some back and forth banter, answered his question, but it was an awesome question. Really good one that I kind of tend to overthink when it comes to traveling up here for Alaska, but getting around on our waterways and doing that safely, super important. So I told them we'd get on here and address it for the masses, for everybody. But basically, Daniel's got an 18-foot inflatable skiff, generally used for river float trips for moose, caribou, that kind of fashion. He plans on bringing it down here to access what we consider across the bay, which is just the Kenai Range side of Kachemak Bay. And basically, my summed up answer to that was, yes, it's completely doable, but there's a lot of kind of caveats that go with that, especially when you're using uh, an inflatable or a rib uh, skiff, and a lot of that's all going to be weather dependent. Um, here, Kachemak Bay is a very protected body of water, but it is still nonetheless a body of water here in Alaska, which can get quite dangerous quite quickly. And so number one, I told him constantly be watching the weather, look out for your wind, your wind direction and your tides, because that's going to be your main factors for staying safe out there. Uh, anytime you're getting strong winds coming up, especially Kind of this time of the year, rolling in the summer, we get a late afternoon day breeze that tends to come up. You could leave early morning, leave the harbor. It's glass calm everywhere. Come two, three o'clock in the afternoon, you get a day breeze that starts to build. You start to get some chop on the water, and all of a sudden, you know, your glass calm pond turns into, you know, kind of a turbulent waterway. So you definitely want to keep your eyes out for your weather. 
I recommended to him. Uh, I use personally an app called Windy, W-I-N-D-Y, and it's a free app, super useful, tells you wind direction, wind speed, has different settings for precipitation, snowfall, um, swell size for your seas, all kinds of stuff, super helpful, color coordinated, real simple to navigate and use, and it's just kind of, you know, without a doubt, one of the best uh, apps out there that I found to Tell what the seas are going to do because you can rely on the weather, man, so much. But we all know man lies nine times out of ten. Bless his soul. But uh, we can't trust him. So uh, do your own due diligence. Uh, check into the NOAA re- reports as well as Wendy or any other weather app you may have. Uh, secondly, your tides. We have massive tides here in Cook Inlet and Kachemak Bay. Uh, you could be looking at 25-foot swings, so you need to understand your tides, know how that's going to affect both the weather conditions on the water as well as beach access and landing access, and also how to not get your boat stuck on the beach when you run out of water because that is a super common trend trend uh last spring had a older gentleman and his grandson stranded on a beach they were out berry picking for a bit came back the tide had gone out and their 28 foot aluminum skiff was high and dry and they had no choice other than to kind of sit around and wait for two tide cycles to go through and that's not fun so always keep an eye out on that our tides excuse me guys Uh, Our tides roll every six hours here, and so always take a peek at that before and after and understand that if you've got tide that's conflicted with your wind, it's going to grow waves. Uh, The sets are going to be a little stacked in tighter together, and they're going to be a little steeper, so that's always nice to know because, you know, it's nice to stay dry and to not sink a boat or a skiff, so don't do that. So, no, but that was basically Daniel's question. He wanted to know if it was doable and if so, kind of the best ways to go about it. And without a doubt, answers yes. Just be safe. Understand your conditions. If you're not comfortable with your equipment, gear, or the area, it's always best to, you know, look into other routes. There's plenty of water taxis and transports here around the Homer area. You can get a water taxi to and from across the bay for as low as $65. that was a couple years ago, quote, so they're, you're probably looking closer to $100 uh, round trip, at least with fuel expenses and everything going up nowadays. So just keep that in your back pocket. But that's an awesome way to travel across the bay. That's how I personally do it because it's cheaper than running my own boat. Uh, so I use water taxis. Like I said, it's $100. They drop you off in a set location, pick you up in that set location at a set time. Kind of takes the headache of worrying about your skiff, worrying about anything anchoring, anything like that. And it's just an awesome way to get out and explore and not have to have that worry in the back of your head of what's going to happen when you uh, lose your boat and you're stranded over there. So um, that's all that I have for that for the most part. 
Um, if you have any other further questions, because I just kind of skimmed through that, uh, let me know at Michael underscore Swoboda on Instagram or at the podcast at average underscore Alaskan underscore podcast at Instagram, and I can dive deeper into it. Um, Daniel, I sent him pictures through Onyx, kind of mapping out the whole area, giving him drop-off points, all that. I'm more than willing to help you guys out and send that same information your way. Uh, just let me know, and we can address that. And so now done talking about that, let's jump right into our awesome interview today. Uh, Brittany is a pilot here in Alaska. She does bear viewing trips and it's just kind of a joy and light to this earth. She's one of the most bubbly people I've met, always has a smile on her face. And so I'm really excited for this interview and I think you guys will really enjoy it. Welcome. Thanks, Mikey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so I just kind of wanted to start. You're not a tried and true Alaskan, so we have to kind of get that out of the way. How did you end up here, and why did you end up here in Alaska? The golden question. Right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I grew up in California. I love telling this story. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) It's totally okay. I'm not offended. Um, Yeah, I grew up in California, and um, I actually had a dream of going to Africa, Um, I think a lot of people know this already if you know me through Instagram, but um, one of my dreams has been to uh, pursue missions, so going to Africa was a dream of mine, Um, and coming to Alaska is a stepping stone for that, but now that I'm here, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to (laughs) leave. I don't don't know when I'll end up in Africa, but um, definitely a dream. I don't know if It'll be like, um, I'll end up there for a long time or a short time, but, um, I'm definitely like in my mindset, just enjoying where I'm at and I'm totally happy here and all the adventures that I get to have. Um, yeah, Alaska has been a dream and better than I ever expected it to be. Oh, that's awesome. So obviously your kind of end goal or, you know, goal from the beginning, excuse me, I'm going to adjust my mic stand real quick, guys. Oh, that atrocious noise. Um, so Africa was obviously the end goal. And Alaska, oh, did I say? Uh, yeah, I think I said it right. Africa was the end goal. Alaska was kind of your stepping stone to get there. How did you come across Alaska? And what was kind of the, what drove you to choose Alaska as that kind of stepping stone? Were there other opportunities or was Alaska kind of, I mean, the access for bush, you know, Bush flying up here is just kind of the world's your oyster up here. You've got oh, yeah. a lot of opportunity. Was that kind of the main driver for that or how did that come about? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say Africa is the end goal. It's a goal. I don't like saying end, end goal. You know, <laughs> like life doesn't end once you get there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the kind of flying that I envision uh, Africa being is similar here but just kind of like a parallel universe i guess like obviously we don't have elephants and giraffe running (laughs) around everywhere but we've got moose and bears so Mm. that's pretty cool but um yeah i flew in california i was a glider tow pilot um for my first uh basically like few hundred hours i needed to reach 135 minimums um so i got that time and that was kind of um mountain flying and a little bit of off airport and the community that I had down in California definitely prepared me a lot better than I think anywhere else that I could have been, um, for coming up here. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up here, I guess, just kind of 
That's awesome. Yeah. So was flying something like at a young age that you knew you always wanted to do? Or what was your original exposure to flying? It's kind of funny because I didn't really have any original exposure. It was more my dad telling me stories of uh, the days when like he would, he like soloed, you know, um, he never got his private pilot's license, but I remember being like a small child, like five or six years old and listening to my dad talk like, Oh, there's nothing else better in the world than like flying like by yourself. It's just the coolest thing. And I was like, man, like that is so cool. I want to do that. So like little five or six year old Brittany just like wanted to be a pilot and that dream never changed. And so I was like finally in community college at Park college in California. And I finally decided to pursue that. And I knew I wanted to do it. It's just like finally making the decision to pursue it uh, that's wholeheartedly. Awesome. No. And that's something I find with a lot of people, like especially those kind of like childhood dreams, like you kind of get this, you know, you get this dream built up in your head and it's kind of, you know, for the longest time, it's a pipe dream. You're just like, oh, this would be so cool. And then you can, you know, you get to an age where those dreams can be achieved, but there's so many, there's so many quote unquote roadblocks that get in the way. Oh, yeah. And a lot of them are, you know, self-manifested. It's like, oh, I don't have the time or it costs so much money or this and that. But at, like at the end of the day, especially if it's something that you've thought about and like cared about your whole life, like there's no, there's no excuse, you know, good enough to like keep you from doing it. I feel like so many people continuously talk themselves out of that situation. So it's awesome to see that like, you know, that dream as, you know, five-year-old Brittany, you know, gets to, gets to be manifest, like you manifested that into like reality and got to, you know, you're getting to live out that, you know, that dream younger you, you know, set out to do. And that's, that's really awesome. Um, sorry. I just kind of drugged that out and lost my own train of thought. No, it's but- fine. <laughs> um, I think it's cool. Like, you know, not having like a, like a final goal, like, like moving up here was not my final goal. Africa's not my final goal. It's like there's there's goals within the goals, you know? Like I remember being um a private pilot and like dreaming of flying a J3 Cub or soloing a J3 Cub. And I remember that day came and I was just elated, like so <laughs> stoked. And I think it was like that same week that I called up the glide report and I was like, I just got my tailwheel endorsement. Like, let me fly the Pawnee. <laughs> like I had quite a few tailwheel hours and I'd say quite a few, you know, I probably had like 40 or something, <laughs> which is not that many, but, uh, it's enough by God. It's enough. It was enough. Um, but yeah, like that. And then my goal was like, I'm going to go tow gliders and fly the Pawnee. And then, you know, I'm going to, reach 500 hours and I'm going to move to Alaska and I'm going to like do my best at this job. Like, you know, just enjoy where you're at because, you know, training goes by so fast. Life goes by so fast. Oh, and yeah. You just got to appreciate the small moments, like appreciate where you're at. If you're struggling, just appreciate it and know that you're not going to be there forever. Exactly. It's hard to take that like 30,000 foot view and just kind of zoom out and be like, you know, it might suck right now. These, you know, flight school right now is just a drag. Like, who cares? Like, put me in a, you know, put but me you're in a in flight fan. school. That's Ex- so cool. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's like, I've had to catch myself with that because I'm uh, changing kind of career paths right now. Well, I shouldn't say career paths, but I'm going from transporting for hunting to starting my uh, progression to becoming a registered Alaskan hunting guide. And it's a 10 year process that just kind of, it's tedious. It's a lot of, you know, a lot of work for kind of a little pay 
and it, there's so many reasons to be like, oh, this sucks. But it's like, dude, you've been thinking about this since you, you know, the first time you could think, you know, your first memories are <laughs> your this. Your first so, thought, right? your first ever thought. <laughs> exactly. And it's so like, quit be, quit moping about your dream. You know, it's kind of cliche, but I've been seeing a bunch of uh, stuff on like Instagram that, uh, Instagram reels that it's like, you know, live your dream the or don't squander the dream that younger you had, like, these are the days younger you dreamed about or whatever, like, you know, quit moping, quit, you know, complaining, like, life's great, and all the hardships that life can bring, like, there's so much silver lining, and, like, the big picture things, like, as long as you're kind of, like, you know, if you're heading in the right direction, or what you perceive to be the right direction, like, you're so far ahead of the curve, and even if you're not yet in that direction, but you just have those thoughts going, like, just act upon them, you know, just, like, take that first step, whether it's, you know, getting an education, take, you know, take an online course to refresh your math skills before you go, you know, apply for your local community college. And then, you know, eventually you might be, you know, applying for your doctoral program at, you know, wherever, but no, that's, uh, life is too short and you just gotta, you know, you just gotta, you gotta go for it. Do, do what you do, what makes you happy. Yeah, people say uh, if it were easy, everybody would do it. (laughs) Exactly. There's going to be some hard parts. Oh, yeah. No. And those are the – all the easy part. Like, I'm sure you remember, like, the hardest parts of learning to fly or anything, the hardest parts of your life, those memories and those kind of – those struggles you went through and overcome – those those are memories that'll stick with you and they'll stay with you. The kind of the days that it was like you showed up to class and it's like, all right, here's one chapter. We're going to skim through that and head back home. That was an easy day. It's like you don't remember that. Nobody cares about the easy. We all want the easy, the lax, the cushy, yeah. but you don't remember it. You don't care. But like it's nice in the moment. It's that instant gratification. It's nice in the moment, but you didn't have to work for it. You know, that's mm-hmm. a, I always relate that to uh talk about it with Jordan a bunch, but with hunting, cause she's just getting into uh, her exposure to hunting. And it's like 99% of it's just shitty. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like if we're being honest, it's a lot of work. You're sweaty, you're hungry, you're cold, you're tired, <laughs> but by God, we love to do it. We'll do it every, you know, every chance we get, but it's just like a, it's kind of like a type two or secondary fun. And, you know, I feel like everything that's worth something in life, like, is kind of that type two fun. Nothing, you know, nothing good in life gets handed to you. Unless, you know, sometimes it does, but <laughs> you know, in in the grand scheme of things, like you're going to have to tr- press hard. You're going to have to try for something. You're going to have to kind of, you know, get gritty, get dirt on your hands, get some blood on your face, you know, to achieve what you really want. But that's awesome. I'm glad to hear, you know, you're doing what you love. So r- give me a kind of like a brief rundown Cause like my world's all water-based. Like I know all my requirements for all my licensing through the, you know, ocean planes, just like they, you know, no pun intended, fly, <laughs> you know, fly, fly <laughs> right over my head. It's like, I'm for like, you guys mm-hmm. that are listening right now, he made the over the head <laughs> <Right>. hand gesture. <laughs> oh yeah. Always talking with the hands, oh, yeah. baby. <laughs> so what do you want to know? Uh, let's start with like, What's the, what's the lowest certification you can, like, when's the threshold that you can break through to start flying, like, solo, 
and kind of I'm assuming it goes by size of plane and characteristics of plane and instruments. So what's kind of be like your bare bones like cereal box license per oh se? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the most standard would be um, a private pilot's license. You know, you can go and get a glider pilot's license. Um, so I did the glider towing stuff back in Southern California. And the um, age requirement to solo was 14. Oh, wow. Um, and you could get your license at 15. And for powered aircraft, um, the solo age is 16. And the age you can get your license is 17, which <laughs> is uh, you can fly a plane solo younger than you can drive a car in some states, <laughs> yeah, which is ridiculous. kind of insane. <laughs> um so, yeah, I mean, FAA requirements are um, 40 hours, but there's requirements within those hours, and typically most people do it within 60, 60 hours. Gotcha. Does that um, include, like, a night flight? Yeah, uh, night flying, cross-country, solo, yeah. um, all that stuff. Gotcha. Um, and private pilot, you cannot fly for compensation, so it's they call it a license to learn is what it's commonly <laughs> yeah. known as. So, um yeah, it's 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 a license to learn, basically. Um, there's requirements within that. The FAA regulates, of course. Um, oh, so. That's interesting. Yeah. And so, uh, just for the listeners, what what are your capabilities? Like, what licensing do you have, and what do you what would you say is your personal wheelhouse when it comes to flying? Like, what do you uh, what do you feel most comfortable flying in like settings? Whether it's you know flying a fat wheeled super cub landing on beaches <laughs> or, you know, a, uh, you know, landing on airstrips. Like what's, what's kind of your go-to wheelhouse? Yeah. Um, I've, I'm definitely more comfortable in wheel planes. I've got most of my time in wheel planes. Um, I've got, uh, definitely some good experience in floats. Um, not nearly as much as wheel planes, but, um, most of my time is in a Cessna 206 or a 207, um, I work for a 135 operator in Homer uh, called Smoky Bay Air. We um, do flights to the three villages on the south side of Kachemak Bay. So um, I think I've got like 1,500 hours or maybe a little less than that, but like total just flying like Smoky Bay planes. And that's that's a fair amount of time. Yeah, no, um, exactly. So yeah, like we put 29-inch bush wheels on our 206s in the summertime and um, – it's pretty awesome. Like we do, uh, you know, we talked about the bear view stuff mm -hmm. and, uh, landing on the beaches. There's obviously like stuff that goes into like evaluating the beaches, tides, you know, some of the stuff you talked about with the boat, uh, when you answer that question, um, a lot of different factors. Um, yeah, I've got some tailwheel time as well, about 250 hours tailwheel. Uh, and then just some like odd other type of aircraft like uh turboprop i'd like to get some more turboprop experience at some point in the future hopefully within you know maybe the next few years um but i'll be flying float planes this summer with barrel out bar barrel air shout out to barrel air <laughs> uh so that'll be super fun um still sticking around homer and catching bay doing the brooks brooks falls stuff so i'm stoked about that no that's awesome and that'll be a good kind of transition so how long how long have you been doing the bear viewing and then kind of give a brief description of like kind of what your daily task for that is like what what is your role in the bear viewing trips and then we'll kind of deep dive into some more of the kind of the adventures themselves of those oh, yeah. those trips. Yeah, so um 
gosh. Um, you should edit this part out because you should repeat that <laughs> Editing question. right now. Editing <laughs> right now. Can you repeat that question? Because yeah. you like said it and then I like just totally blanked. I was like, what did he just ask? Because you asked about like, how's my, what does my day look like? And I was like, oh, I can describe my day. But what did you ask before that? <laughs> right. No, I'm great at that. I'm like, here's a question. But before you answer it, I'm going to confuse you with three other ways to say the exact same question. No. So, uh Kind of describe your role with... Uh, the, role with the bear guiding. Yes, exactly. Or the bear viewing. And okay. then kind of how that, your daily tasks for those days kind of go about. Okay. Do you want to say the question again so that it's like yeah. you can edit it, that? Um, exactly. Just so you know, guys, I'm not going to edit any of this. Wow. Brittany doesn't know that. but wow. <laughs> <laughs> No, we might. We'll see. So It's late, you guys. The sun isn't down yet, but it's like almost nine o'clock. Right. <laughs> It's springtime in Alaska, baby. <laughs> no. So what's your uh, what's your average day? Say I just I booked a full day. I want to go see some bears. You're flying me. Take us through the day. Okay. Uh, so I'll show up either uh, probably around six thirty a.m. We just changed our duty days, so we've got a six thirty to eight thirty duty day. Um, a.m. to p.m. Just yeah. to clarify, uh, <laughs> bankers hours over here. <laughs> Um, so I'll show up at six 30, um, check the weather, um, talk to the other pilots, see what they think. Because if we have like two pilots going out and both of them are at different experience levels, there has to be some agreement. There's not going to be any pressure from the company for them to go if someone's not comfortable, which is a really positive safety oriented, like quality in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we'll check weather, pre-flight the airplanes, do the run-up, uh, get all our gear and equipment ready for taking out the tourists um, for the bear viewing. Uh, fuel the planes, you know, do all the basic stuff. Um, we'll have the planes all ready to go by the time the passengers are showing up. Uh, our director of operations and or our rampers and sometimes the pilots, if we get everything done in time, will help um, waiter the passengers so we fit them all with waiters because we do go through streams and like deep mud and mm. sometimes people get stuck and it's <laughs> usually pretty funny if they have say. a good <laughs> attitude about it some people aren't super happy but you know it's like part of the experience exactly. you know it's you Alaska. can't yeah it's Alaska you can't go out into the wilderness and not expect to not get dirty but um yeah so we'll fill, fit them all with waiters you know uh just kind of like some back and forth like bantering where are you from what do you do like how long you've been in alaska where have you been i think it's so funny because we get so many people that have been like oh yeah i've been up to denali i've been to seward i've been to who knows where like all over alaska and i'm like oh that must be nice like <laughs> i'm over here working like six Every days a week day. and i love my job i love it so much but it's like, oh, these tourists that come in, they've seen more of the state that I've been living dude. in for the past three years than I have. Oh, dude, it's the worst. I feel you so hard there. I've been here for <laughs> going on 10, 11 years now. And it's like, I've been to Seward, I think, twice. Uh, oh I've been to, like, still haven't seen Denali. Really? No, I've like, been, to, been Fair- to Denali National Park or, like, seen the mountain? Neither. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could, Dude, we're going flying later this week. It's been out on these clear days. Like you can oh. look in the distance. It's like. I bet it's been gorgeous because oh, the last yeah, week it's, it's just beautiful. been. I mean, you can just see for forever out across the bay and across the inlet. It's incredible. I bet it's been so nice. I mean, imagine we're like all the way down in Homer. How long of a drive is it up to <sighs> Talkeetna? Just Talkeetna, not Denali National Park. It's like, what, seven, eight hours? Seven hours probably, yeah, I think. At least. And. 
I mean, we're down in Homer, a seven hour drive, and mm. we're like, I'm flying around catching my bay, <laughs> looking, at, <laughs> looking out onto this like 20,000 foot plus mountain. Yeah. Oh, it's just insane. I bet it's gorgeous. No, and it's been. It's been on the list for so long, but I just like, there's so many things I try and get done. And then I just work like a slave and it's just like <laughs> that I get a day off and it's either like shitty outside or I'll you be doing something sleep. else. Exactly. And it's like been up to Fairbanks a handful of times. And it's like, I just need to make like a dedicated three day weekend, like at least three of them throughout the year. Just like build a little bucket list. Be like, I yeah. just need to do this so I can say I've done it, say I've seen it. Cause there's nothing worse than like, we'll get clients on the boat and they're we're you know same thing just chit chatting doing the you know customer service stuff like, mm-hmm. oh yeah we just got done here there uh, you know how do you like it there like never been they're like really i'm like i, I spend a lot of time on this boat and on the ocean <laughs> very far away from that mountain i'm so, I'm so sorry i couldn't i couldn't entertain that thought for you but Aww. no Oh, so once y'all get kind of get through all your like pre-flight stuff, get get all the clients loaded up. How many clients can y'all haul in one of your two hundred sixes? And kind of what's the what's the flight time look like? And just kind of jump in from kind of pre-flight's done. You've yeah. got the got the dumb tourists waited up. I'm just kidding. Y'all aren't done. Dumb. Y'all support our, you know, our economy here so much. We're grateful. Yes. But yes. some of y'all are a little stupid. Oh, Mikey, be quiet. Stop. <laughs> uh, yeah. So once they're all waited, we will give a bear briefing. Um, it's different than the safety briefing that we give inside the aircraft, which is just purely like, okay, here's what to do if we have to, um, like, uh, just be prepared in case of an emergency. Like yeah. here's where the life vests are. Here's how the doors work and uh, your uh, safety belts and shoulder harnesses and all that good stuff. Uh, don't smoke inside the plane, folks. Yeah, right. uh, <laughs> no tampering with what is, yeah. what is the TSA <laughs> Um So we'll give a bear briefing and it's just basically like we want to stay close together, bear as few things by size. So we'll be in a straight line. We don't want to intimidate the bear. We're not going to impede on this bear's environment. We're just trying to be like uh non-invasive you know we're just there to observe them and um basically make it seem like we were never there we want to be respectful of their environment um they are beautiful beautiful animals um but there's a lot of responsibility with being around in such a close proximity at times to such a big powerful animal um it really is a blessing um so there's definitely you know like people come up from the lower 48 and they don't know anything about being in nature and especially like grizzly bears like people are freaked out like i remember one time like we were um grouped up with another uh operator out of homer and we were in silver salmon creek and there was this uh sow with two cubs that were um two years old and one of the uh, cubs got super curious about the group and um Bears do this thing called bluff charging. I'm <laughs> no. sure yeah, you're smiling like you know exactly what I'm talking about. And um, the cub bluff charged the group. And I I had to grab this girl that was about to take off. <laughs> and I was like, girl, you do not want to run because I assure you, if you run, that bear will chase after you. Like there's a reason we are sitting down on our knees right now. And there's a reason that these guys are sitting in front of you. Nothing mm-hmm. like, like we are that barrier 
but please do not run away. Right? <laughs> but, uh, please don't screw all of us over yeah. due to your actions here. We have a hundred percent passenger out, passenger in rate. <laughs> so let's keep it that way. Right. Um, and that's just breathing, right? That's you, you send people away with some souvenirs yeah. every once in a while. Yeah. Because I've been itching to just. It's always been a dream, just like a small scratch. Just, <laughs> just to say a it's small scratch. Like, just like a light one, you know. Oh my word. Um, so, oh gosh, where was I? So bear briefing, you know, people don't really know much about what they're getting into. Some of them have an idea or some of them are like return clients because mm. they had so much fun the first time. And those guys are usually pretty cool. Um, cause they like kind of know what's going on already. Exactly. Um, but yeah, then we'll start loading up the plane and, um, we can take as a pilot, I can take up to five passengers. So there's six seater airplanes, a Cessna 206 and it's all weight dependent. So, um, mm. we have a max gross of 3,600 pounds. Okay, so y'all can haul quite a few, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll load up in the airplane, and if we're going over to Chinitna Bay, which is, like, pretty much just west of, uh, west side of the Cook, in, Cook okay. Inlet, uh, it's about an hour. Um, not bad. No, not bad at all. Hour there, hour back. If we have to, like, skirt around some weather, we'll go up further north, because we have to stay within glide distance to the shore. Um so, like, the furthest north we'll go is Trading Bay. You know where that is? Like, north of Kenai. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it yeah. ends up being, like, an hour and a half flight each way or an hour 45. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, we'll do a flight and then about three hours of ground time. So, we'll unload the airplane, all the passengers, ask if anyone has to use, quote, unquote, the restroom. Right. <laughs> use the tree. The log over <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then we'll just, you know, usually from the air, we'll scout out, okay, where are the bears at? Like, where's the best place we can land? Where's the best place to park based on where the bears are, what time of year, what they're doing. Um, and a lot has to do with the tides too, because they'll be out clamming um, mm-hmm. at certain points during the tide um, or fishing, depending on what time of the season it is. Like usually August, Ju- late July, August, they'll be fishing. Um yeah, and then we just go on this awesome, super epic adventure and get to, like, know all of our clients, and it's just totally awesome. Like, it's, I mean, I've, I heard someone say once um, that had a tourist job, like, we get to do once in a lifetime every single day, oh, yeah. and that's totally what it's like. Like, uh, towards the end of the summer, it's totally true. Like, some people, you know, you get burned out because you're just tired, and um, it's then when you kind of have to, like, rethink or not rethink but like kind of just okay like is this a safe decision blah 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 but um you know just because you've been going and going and going and going and you get like one day off a week if that so depending on where you're working you know and um yeah it's just like super crazy but um where are they going with this uh you're saying like get to do once in a lifetime stuff kind of every day and that you get caught up in the daily kind of the habits of oh yeah 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 kind of burn out at the end of the season yeah but, but I remember like last season like I this is going to be my fourth summer up here um which is like nothing compared to some people I know but you know the stoke for me at least personally just stays all throughout the season mm-hmm. and you know it's definitely a little more exciting at the beginning but you know I think the excitement of like these bears um their habits and like their food source, like, you know, they have clams, they have sedge grass, they have salmon, 
And there's different times of the season for all of these different things. So it's changing. And, you know, like you get over to the other side of the inlet and the conditions of the beach are sometimes different, you know, based on the tides and like the bear behavior can be different. And, you know, there's also mating season. Like that's pretty exciting too. Get the um, boars fighting and chasing each oh, other yeah. off. Oh, yeah, like and... pursuing the females. And, like, sometimes you'll actually get to see, like, the mating happen, mm-hmm. like, out in the distance. Like, oh, that is that is love right there. <laughs> <laughs> True love. <laughs> True love. There are some baby cubs being born, right. being, uh, <laughs> being conceived Get right married. now. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, it's just an adventure. And, like, the people make it so awesome and so much fun because you get people from, like, I mean, obviously last year we, last year and the year before, just not a lot of um, foreign, like, um, Mm -hmm. international uh, tourists, yeah. Um, So, yeah, but uh, hopefully, like, soon we'll be getting more international people. Yeah, it's, I'm, you know, I'm assuming this year is going to be the first, you know, kind of wide open, let the (laughs) floodgates open, but... um, yeah, because it's always that's always one of the cool things about Homer when the you know it's tourist season. You get so many international travelers because you get so many people from all over the United States, but you also yeah. get such a big pull from overseas. And especially, you know, I get to do the same with our fishing charters and stuff. But you get to meet people from all walks of life. I mean, from Olympic coaches to you know your average Joe that's got stories that you couldn't imagine to you know this last spring. Got to run into George Strait. Like you get oh, to like, no way. yeah, we could, we could, I'll bring that up later and we could talk about it. But yeah, you just like, I don't know, like you said, we get to live kind of those once in a lifetime trips just kind of on repeat. And like mm-hmm. you said, you can almost, you know, you start to take it for granted sometimes. And it's like true. I even, you know, just driving into work or something, you know, Catch Mac Bay is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. And then you get in this just kind of like, Ugh, driving into point. work driving to your house right. Dude, when i just got here i was like yeah i was just driving down the road and i've got like iliamna and readout off my right and i'm just like oh it's so beautiful and i turn a corner it's like oh there's douglas like right. all these yeah, beautiful mountains. i've been watching this beautiful sunset behind oh, <laughs> yeah. behind us go down but no and it's just like every once in a while i just gotta kind of slap myself around and be like dude you live in one of the most beautiful places in the world Quit your griping and moaning and, like, same with work because it's, like, you know, like you said, especially our deer season will be 10 weeks, you know, on the boat. And by, like, week eight or nine, you're just like, oh, it's so close to being over. But it's, like, for this, you know, for this group, this is their trip of a lifetime, mm-hmm. you know. And it's, like, you can't let yourself get in the way of that because it's, like, first of all, that is the most selfish shit you could pull yeah. off is to do something like that. But it's just, like. You know, you do get these crazy opportunities, you know, especially up here. There's just so many, whether it's flying, the ocean, anything. I mean, you could work for a landscaping company and just stare at mountains all day. Like, it's <laughs> like, so there's just so much that we kind of just, you know, take for granted, brush across. And like, you know, most people can't fathom what a brown, like an Alaskan brown bear looks like, or like even the idea of seeing it. And then to go walk among them. Mm-hmm. six days a week <laughs> like yeah. it's just a crazy crazy thought to just in general and then especially for people who've never experienced never gotten to kind of you know open that door and see what's you know what's inside that pandora's box of going <laughs> and playing with you know the giants oh, so what's what's the 
what's the best way to say this? What's the scariest shit you've seen on these trips? No, oh my gosh. <laughs> no, what's kind of what type, what different situations have you gotten into with the bear viewing? Like you mentioned, you know, the Cubs bluff charging before. Mm-hmm. Have you, you know, what's the, because kind of where this question's coming from, the first question out of all of our hunters, you know, mouth during the fall is like, how serious of a threat are the bears and will we see bears? And my, my answer is always, yes, you will see bears. And the threat's there. They're a large animal. They're bigger than you. They're made to eat things. But, you know, I always tell them we're just as much an inconvenience to them as they are to us. You know, they, they don't want conflict as long as you don't go looking for it and put yourself in a, you know, a crappy situation, bad situation, you know, give them their space. They'll give you yours type of deal. But, you know, what y'all are doing, y'all are kind of, you know, actively kind of pushing the envelope a little bit. So I'm sure there's always, you know, whether it's just, you know, you get a big boar that just kind of comes and walks by, checks y'all out at like, you Mm -hmm. know, five foot to, (laughs) you know, all the way up to bluff charges or something like just kind of tell us a, a couple different experiences with the bears themselves. Yeah. The first, the first thing that, or the first story that pops into my head is, um, when we went to Kaguyak last year, um, me and Barrett, um, we landed there. We, so I'd like to also mention like these bears that we are going bear viewing, like, um, that we are seeing when we're bear viewing, they're coastal brown bears. So they are classified as the same species as grizzly bears. Um, but grizzly bears are, uh, found inland. So they have a different food source. They have to fight for their food. These coastal brown bears, which are typically found, uh, within 70 nautical miles of the coastline, they have such an abundant food source that they really don't care about the humans. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not bothered by us. We make a very, um, big emphasis on, we are not going to leave food out there, um, we're not going to take salmon products. We're not going to take anything that they're familiar with food wise, you know, obviously salmon, (laughs) um, (laughs) no fish. Uh, so they don't associate us with food because we're so careful in that aspect. So like the things that we do or the things that you would experience if you came on a trip with us is not something that I would recommend that you do on like some kind of hunting trip or something. (laughs) So, um, that being said, uh, so we were on a bear bearing trip near Kaguyak, and um, we were posted up by this rock because this massive brown bear was um, coming around this cliff. And it was just one of those bears that had so much swagger in its walk, <laughs> like this massive, older, dominant male if it wanted to come and have its way with our group, you know, it, it was just like, you know, it, it completely was not bothered by us at all because we were just doing what we always do every time mm-hmm. a brown bear is close, um, which is, you know, staying out of its way and being respectful. But yeah, I have, I have like, I wonder like, what what would we or could we have done if we were met with that kind of situation? But like, just that bear, it just walked by, and I I think I actually have the video like posted on my Instagram somewhere of that bear walking by. I have like 
one of the uh, passengers like was videoing over my shoulder and this bear is just like so big yeah. and like it, there's not a care in the world that that bear has. Uh, like it's yeah. crazy seeing those I real big, you know, dominant yeah. bears. We ran into one uh, uh, over in Kodiak on one of our trips and we were just cruising up the uh, bay we were in and spotted them from miles away. And it was just, you know, looked like a little blueberry <laughs> on the beach. And we, you know, we're like, we're going to go check them out. Still to this day, the biggest bear I have ever just like a perfect circle. Same, just every step, just giant shoulder sways. His stomach was just barely not dragging in the sand, and he was just gorging himself on clams at low tide. And it was just, you know, it was big enough to where we took our 48 foot boat completely (laughs) 90 degree turn and just headed for this. My dad was like, No, I mean, he's been, you know, navigating Kodiak since he was 20. And he was like, I've never seen a bear. Like, it was just ridiculous. And of course, none of, none of us, you know, pulled out a camera or phone. We were just yeah. kind of just mesmer- mesmerized by this bear because they are just, I mean, all brown bears, all bears in general are super awesome animals. But those big coastal brown bears are just like massive. Oh, jaw dropping. And people just, it's it's hard to explain like how truly big they are. And I unfortunately never got to really see one like that until uh, one of our hunters had harvested one and I was helping them out with it. And I was just like, this thing's the size of a small like SUV. It was just like (laughs) massive. And I'm just like, it makes you just like rethink your whole, you know, humanity. Cause you're just like, like you said, if it wanted to have its way, like there's no, no negotiating that. Like it's, it, if it wants to, it can, because they're just so much larger. But they're just, I mean, like you've described, just gentle giants in a lot of ways. Yeah. Especially, and it's the same thing the I tell our clients. Ones, at least. Yeah, right. <laughs> don't try and pet an interior no, grizz. <laughs> Smaller, but a lot angrier. Yeah. If you need a real life example, uh, the movie Grizzly Man. <laughs> Have you yes. seen that? The. I don't want to. I don't want to play light on it either. But that most accidentally hilarious tragic documentary available oh, to word. watch. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Timothy. Oh, oh yeah, crazy documentary. I love his little fox friend he has. Oh, I know. He's adorable. He's a little. He's a little mangy looking, to be honest. But <laughs> I've been trying cute. to get my roommates to watch that with me. It's really? still on my They list. won't. Well, it's like. Everyone's always busy, and we True. gotta we gotta find the we gotta, gotta find the right time, right. the right mood. <laughs> right, exactly. We wanna uh, we we need to just right energy yeah, just, to listen to somebody be eaten. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't they don't play the recording yeah. of him getting eaten on the movie. Uh, didn't but they destroy I, that? Huh? I think they destroyed the recordings of that. Actually, like uh, I think it's on YouTube. Really? Oh, mm, I have to check it out. Oh. <laughs> I might have been led astray. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I got to tell you one more story, though, oh, yes. uh, based Let's off hear. of your last question. So we were in Chinitna Bay, me and one of the other guides, uh, Frank, and we were leading our group out onto the mudflats, and it was during mating, mating season, so obviously the boars are a little, like, more on edge mm. and a little feisty. <laughs> <laughs> They're looking for their ladies. Um, and there were some planes that were taken off out in the distance like probably a mile or two away and this plane like took off and I I had I think Frank was in front of our group and I was in the back because when we're walking in a line we'll have like one guy at front one in the back um just so you know we got both sides covered 
Um, and one of the planes in the distance like took off and I was kind of like looking over at that. And then like all of a sudden, um, these bears like started chasing each other, like towards the beach. So it wasn't towards us, but we quickly got our group like in a bunch so that we looked bigger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, these bears like had no regard for anything around them. And they were like, uh, one of them was aggressively chasing the other one. And at first, like, I thought, oh, man, like, the airplane spooked them because we always make a point, like, not to fly over groups bear viewing in case the bear does get spooked by the airplane. And then there's, like, people there, and you just don't want to put people in a situation that can be avoided. But, um, no, I, like, reviewed the video later with, like, um, one of my buddies, and he was like, no, that was definitely, like, the bears. Like, it's just mating season, yeah. and that was, like, nothing to do with the airplane. I was like, oh, okay. But, um, yeah, like, watching, like, a bear stand off, like, right in front of our faces. And, like, me and Frank were, like, in front of the group, like, just, like, yelling and, like, uh, like basically just letting the, the bears know that we were there. Right. <laughs> Didn't want to get caught in the crossfire. There. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was insane. Like, probably one of the um, just most memorable, par- memorable um, mm. occurrences of last summer. It was and you have, surreal. If I'm not mistaken, you have a clip of that on your Instagram, correct? Yes, yeah. I think I do. No, that's an epic video. Because it's just like, you know, it, the rawness of the way those bears get after each other and just like, it's, that's, it's, yeah. you know, something you have to see, at least a video of. And then, you know, yeah. if you get a chance, like, do one of these trips. I've... It's been on the bucket list. I want to fly out and do one of the bear viewing trips. I'll we'll have to get got, you on one. I know. I need I need to just plan it out. I have a buddy coming up in June, and I was thinking about, you know, trying to put one together because that would be something, you know, anybody. You know, you get somebody that's never seen a bear in general, and then you, you know, do something like that. Like, here's a bear uh, right there. Go, yeah. go, go walk to it, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And, uh but no, that's definitely on the bucket list because that's just oh, they're cool animals. I've you know gotten to see a ton of them over the last couple of years, and just like I don't know, you can never get enough of them. They're just any any of the wildlife up here, but especially the big brown bears because they're just there's something else. There's something there's something special about them. They're magical, exactly. There's something <laughs> like I said. They're, it makes a hair stand on the back of my neck, but in like a good way. You know, not a, not like a ooh, you know freaked out way. It's just like they're they're cool animals. They're they're crazy. Yeah. Well, I had an awesome question in my head like three seconds ago, but then I was talking about our magical teddy bears. <laughs> but, <laughs> so during, so y'all run your bear viewing probably, I'm assuming, kind of May through mid-August for that, or what? what's y'all's kind of, what's y'all's schedule for the bear flight? Yeah. Uh, gosh, it's been a while. Um, Mid-May uh, to, I think it's end of September. September oh, is when so we like to keep our pilots. August, uh, end of August. Yeah, yeah. Probably end of August. End of first August, like week and probably, a half of September. Yeah, maybe, maybe spills into September a little bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, what do you do when you're not, you know, doing your bear trips and stuff? Are you trying to stay in the air as much as possible? Like, kind of, what's your what's your off season look like? Uh, working for Smoky Bay, I um. I, we, like everyone, like the pilots at the company, we uh, service the south side of Kachemak Bay. So Nanwalik, Port Graham, Soldovia, we do, uh, we offer statewide charters as well. Um, we run flights every hour and 10 minutes. Uh, I love it. The 
we know all of the villagers <laughs> for the most part. So it's pretty cool just flying people that we know all the time, flying groceries, flying mail, flying store freight, uh, flying meds and um, puppies. Uh-huh. <laughs> I There was this puppy I was uh, taking to Port Graham and it was in its kennel in the back of my plane. This was only probably a month and a half ago that this happened. And it was crying and whining. I was like, you know, your heartstrings get pulled when you hear a puppy crying. Especially when it's in your plane. I was like, there's no way I can listen to this all the way to the village. And so I asked one of my passengers, because I was stopping in Saldovia first. I was like, do you want to hold a puppy on the way to Saldovia? And he was like, sure, I'll hold a puppy. And so I got the puppy out. And he held the puppy on the way to Saldovia. And then we got to Saldovia. And the poor puppy was shivering. And it's, you know, like 15 degrees out. Something like, it's cold. Mm-hmm. Poor little Poor little girl is just cold. And I was just holding this puppy and I was like, oh, what am I going to do? I can't put her back in the kennel. She'll start crying. I'm flying by myself back to the village. You know, I got a bunch of freight and stuff. I'm going to stick her in my jacket. <laughs> I'm just going to fly with her in my puppy jacket. So I stuck her in there and I kind of just like hung out with her for a second before I got in the plane, made sure she wasn't going to wiggle too much. But I found out later that um, the vets gave her something to like sedate her a little bit so she wasn't like super freaked out on the plane or I don't know if she had like surgery or something but yeah she was super well behaved and I was like coming in on final and I was like you're doing so good little girl (laughs) and I got into the village and um I gave I gave her to her owner I just like pulled her out of my jacket she was like oh that's the cutest thing (laughs) I was like like, I know here's your puppy we've connected (laughs) but here's your dog (laughs) yeah I uh I flew that same dog I think three weeks after that, and I had to see if she would still fit in my, <laughs> my jacket. So she did. She flew in into poor Graham in my jacket for the second time. I don't think she's gonna still fit in there the next time I fly her. Unfortunately, oh, but that's adorable. You gotta yeah. love that. All oh, those small things about yeah, <laughs> about where it keeps the it going. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, that's awesome. So I got to always, you know, my my biggest catch with flying, like I always tell people, people like, oh, aren't you ever, you know, you scared of the ocean, this and that. And I'm like, yes. But worst case scenario, like I got a puncher's chance. I can swim. Uh, what has like the thought of like an air in air, like emergency, like crash landing, anything like that. Is that something that you even allow space like in your thought process for, or is it, you know, kind of, I guess what I'm trying to get at, it's like, what's the true likelihood of an emergency happening? And is it something that you worry about with this being kind of like, you know, career path or, you know, at bare minimum, your passion and something you enjoy? Yeah. Uh, good question. Um, yes, I do allow it space. I think, um, allowing it at least a little bit of space, you know, like there is a reality. We, as pilots, take risks every day. Um, I I don't let it worry me to the point where I'm going to be afraid of getting in my aircraft, but it allows me to have proper safety margins and make good decisions. Um, I'm always looking at tides because, um, you know, you mentioned like the 25-foot tide swing earlier that we get um, with extreme high tides and low tides. But um, there's more available landing options. Um, You know, every phase of flight, I'm always thinking like, okay, if this were to happen, um, I'm going to do this. And it's, you know, it's all mental. It's all in my head. Um, But in my head, I also uh, have like everything 
maybe not every single thing, but like checklists. Like if my engine quits with enough usable runway, I'm landing on the runway. If I don't have enough usable runway and I can't make a 180 degree turn back to the runway because I don't have enough altitude or I'm too heavy, I'm going here based off where I'm taking off from. Or if I do have enough altitude to be able to make a 180 to land safely back on the runway, I'm going to do that. Or, you know, we fly a lot of the same routes. I've been working for Smoky Bay for a while. So in my head, I have... If my engine quits here with the wind doing this, I'm going to land here. And um, it's not a thought that's foreign to me by any means. But I, in my head, I feel like I am mentally prepared. But um, it's it's something that you can't, like, know about. It's not something that's predictable. Mm-hmm. I, I personally have not have had an in-flight emergency like that. Um, knock on wood, (laughs) uh, but I know people that have like extremely good pilots. Um, I know pilots, uh, here in town, I'm not going to name names, but like, you know, crazy stories, just like incredible. And like, I look up to them, like, you know, you were able to walk away from that. Your passengers were able to walk away from that. Most of the villagers that I fly, uh, when I first got to, um, Homer, started working for Smoke Bay, like, People told me, or people at the company told me, you know, these villagers, they'll have more time flying Kachemak Bay than you will have for a while because (laughs) they, you know, they've lived here their whole lives. And most of them either have been or know somebody close to them who have been in a plane crash. And that's, it's sad, but it's real. And it has also, like, caused... um, it's been years since that's happened. So, um, it caused the company, um, like, you know, when a crash happens anywhere in Alaska, it, it causes you to look at your own organization or your own company and think, okay, if this has had happened to me, like, Mm -hmm. how would I have reacted? How could I do better? How could, I don't know, you know, but it makes you look back kind of that self-evaluation and like, yeah. what are we doing to avoid something that could happen or what aren't we doing that's allowing, you know, this margin of error to creep in to where oh, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And because that's always something I've because I've always had this weird like internal battle. I love I love kind of constantly exploring like new ideas. I love the ocean because it's just like limitless to me. And I've always had this idea. Like I was talking to Jordan just the other day and I was like, cause she's terrible, like deathly terrified of flying, like oh. any size plane, like flying with her is a nightmare. <laughs> love her to death, but it is, it's a struggle bus. And I brought it up to her. I was like, you know, what would you th- like if I tried to get my pilot's license, like, where on the spectrum of upset are you with this idea? Like, there's no, like, are you for it or against it? It's like, how mad would you be? And uh, she'd be pretty mad. But, <laughs> um, goodness, I would just uh, go crazy. Oh, but it's always just, like, because to me, like, one of the my, like, deepest fears is just, like, falling. Falling from, height, like, heights. I don't have a I'm not scared of heights. I'm just scared of falling from heights. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that, like, I don't. Yeah. Free-falling feeling. And, uh, like, we've had clients that we've, you know, repeat clients of ours that we've lost through, you know, flights and stuff, unfortunately. And, actually, this last summer, you know, witnessed a plane crash leaving the Homer Airport, actually. Oh, I'll wow. have to show you when we get off the oh is it the one air- that ended up in um, in the by mariner 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Right wow. out there. Yeah. I you actually just saw that? I have a video. Oh, wow. I videotaped the entire thing, and then I was actually the second oh, person wow. uh, on scene to help the individual out of the plane and everything. But, yeah, no, we were – I was I'll just jump into the story of this real quick, but was just driving down the spit. I was doing boat work and ridiculous outfit, but working all day. I was wearing just, like, the greasiest sweatpants, extra tough, <laughs> no shirt, just sitting in my Perfect. truck. Right, exactly. <laughs> Perfect to go rescue an airplane. <laughs> right. Right, like he must have looked up and like this dude. Anybody else? We got anybody else to help. God was uh, really looking out that day. (laughs) But I I watched him take off, and I pulled out my phone. I wanted to take a Snapchat video of it because I just my old roommates enjoy videos. You know, planes taking off uh, the float lake or out of the airstrip and stuff. And so I was videotaping. I was like, "What is he?" Because he just kind of, he was, it looked like he was going to buzz the beach and just kind of, uh-huh. you know, took a hard bank down and looked like, I, I was just like, what is he do? Like, that was just squirrely. And then, you know, all of a sudden it clicked. I was like, oh, he's crashing. <laughs> like, there is like, it just like, in, like, I just noticed, I was like, oh, I, you know, he was trying to turn and, you know, get parallel with the beach and, you know, wow. trying to emergency land and, you know, left wing hit and just, you know, snapped oh, down. Wow. And immediately, like, I was just like, you know, pull over to the side of the, you know, uh, highway there, throw the truck in park, pull out my, f- or had my phone out already. And I was like, call that. I was like, somebody else can call me. <laughs> there's like there's 50 of us on this road. So I, you know, just hop yeah. out and just start, you know, sprinting down the rocks. Luckily it's low tide. So it's just, you know, Sandy beach and just sprinting across the slough in my just, you know, baggy sweatpants shirtless and my, you know, work boot. Just And, uh, uh, different gentleman got there about you know 10 feet in front of me he opens the cockpit and you know starts to you know ask are you okay are you okay he's like yeah and we you know get one arm around him start pulling him out and uh you know get him out of the plane kind of get him out and away from the wreckage we smell some fuel so we disconnect the you know the battery so nothing you know sparks up you know starts a fire blows up god forbid and just kind of do a quick little you know c-spine make sure you know don't move stay still you know um luckily he was you know he was in pretty good shape for you know crashing an airplane he had a you know skin tear on his face i think he broke an ankle and then you know had some you know minor lacerations and stuff but no it was just like you know surreal moment and it's just always you know unfortunately up here it's i I don't want to say prevalent but there's a lot more aircraft go down up here at least in what am i trying to say i'm trying to say it's see it seems to be in the news more up here and i think it's just due to prevalence of the amount of aircrafts in the air and in the terrain in the areas that they're flying that we have you know Mm -hmm. unfortunately high rates of uh crashes but Goodness, I had a great point that I was trying to get at like five minutes ago, and my mouse just like. Wah, 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 wah. Well, we started with but, the baggy pants and the shirt. Yeah, right, exactly. The, spit. the only thing I was missing was my softball hat with oh, the flaps, yeah. <laughs> with my little cape hat. <laughs> oh, but, uh, goodness! One second, one second, guys. We're gonna get this back on track. We're gonna we're gonna write this ship. Uh, so, anyways, uh, so basically. You're just kind of, whenever you're flying, you're just kind of always going through contingency plans and just understanding what you're kind of, like you're saying, if, you know, this happens here, Mm -hmm. this is what I'll do. And 
you said you obviously leave space for it to allow yourself to prepare for it and kind of be at terms with it. Do you see that as uh, like an inev- inevitability that you'll be put in a situation into what I should say, a serious situation or a bad situation? Or is it something that you personally kind of take pride into like never allow that to happen or do your best to, I mean, I'm, ass- I'm assuming you do your best. I would hope you do your best to not crash your, your yeah, aircraft. Yeah. But Interesting question. Um, definitely, I don't like taking unnecessary risks, mm-hmm. especially, you know, flying revenue flights. Um, I'm responsible for the safety of that aircraft and for the passengers making it back. Mm-hmm. Um, my decision making, I don't want to push my own limits. The company's not going to put push my limits. Um, but if I have an engine failure, you know, above a glacier or on the way to the one, one of the villages or crossing cook inlet or whatever, you know, I can't control that. I can, I can troubleshoot. I can do what I've been trained to do. I can do what I have it in my head as my checklist, you know, to troubleshoot and try to correct an issue unless it's a catastrophic failure. In which case, you know, like a piston, a, like a piston gets thrown or, um, something wild, like the crankcase is totally cracked or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? I, I have no control over that. So I would just have to respond as I've been trained to do. My old instructor used to say, trust your training, trust your training. And you do like, you know, you can't second guess like, oh, is this really like what I'm supposed <laughs> to be doing? No, like I've been trained this way. I need to trust what I've been trained to do. And that's what I intend to do. But, you know, I, um, I'm not saying I think about it like every second of every flight mm-hmm. because I don't think that's safe and that's healthy. But I think it's, it's safe and it's healthy to be thinking that it is a possibility and when you talk about inevitability like honestly I don't know like I don't I don't I don't know if it would be inevitable that I would like have um or be put in that situation I think like being put in that situation is kind of like weird because like I do have a say in like what situations I'm being put into like I make the no go no go go or no go calls the final say you know my company, no matter who I work for, is never going to be able to push me out the door because the only person that can get in that aircraft and say, I'm going to go make that flight is me. And ultimately, ultimately I am responsible for that. So I don't, I don't know what I would say to the inevitability of it. I just, I want to say like, if I were met with that situation, I think with what I know and how I've been trained and um, how I think I would respond is that like, it, it would, I, I hope, and I think that I would have a positive outcome. No, no. I think that's a super healthy way to, you know, one, go about any career. You should never let, you know, never put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. Whenever it comes, when I say that you're going to go through plenty of uncomfortable situations in life and you just got to deal with them. But when it comes to <laughs> like captaining a boat, piloting a plane, like there's certain things where it's like, you know when it's you shouldn't go, and you know you might be you should never let an outside force unless it's something you know just as critical so you know a life you know life flight situation, something like that where it might be like all right, we're gonna push the envelope a little bit, but I think that's extremely healthy of you to always kind of have that line in the sand and be like, you know I'll go find a new you know I'll go find a new job before I put myself and more importantly the people I'm responsible. for in danger and to touch on kind of the i the way you kind of summed up my super ominous question of like (laughs) 
do you are you ready for when you crash your <laughs> your plane? <laughs> Basically, what I said Bring is like it. exactly like you're gonna crash a plane someday, and what are you gonna do about it? <laughs> Which uh, any logical thinking person would go, well, first of all. I, I never plan to crash my plane. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try really hard That's not to. And <laughs> right, exactly. I don't think you watched that. I think it was a pacer go down. And I don't think he planned on crashing that plane either. <laughs> right. No. And uh, but no, that's good to hear that. Like I don't know that you look back on that training and kind of. And I mean, it's like anything. We any job, any sport, any profession. Like you know, you have your baseline of your skill set. Then you have what you've trained for, what you've been taught and that skill set. And just like hearing you like refer back to, you know, your training, what to do in that situation. It's just kind of like a relief because I feel like there's a lot of people that, you know, they'll get trained and like, nah, I got this. I know how to yeah. do it my way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've been doing this for like three weeks. I know what I'm doing. It's You're like, <laughs> right, exactly. Like, oh, great. This guy's my pilot. <laughs> It's like I see an empty yeah. brown bag back there. What oh, was that gosh. from? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I do. I do want to emphasize though. Like, um, there is such a sense of get there itis at times. Like mm. the pressure, the outside external pressure from either passengers or you know companies can be can be pushy about it. I've heard of companies. You oh, know, I'm, that's I'm sure they cause like. You know, that's why in, um, like, primary training, they teach you, like, the pilot in command is responsible. And, like, you don't realize the depth of that until you get into commercial flying and you realize, like, like you are the person that has authority to say yes or no to this flight. Like, no one can force you out the door, like, kick you out and put you in that airplane. It's it's you. Like, that's your choice. But but the external pressure is totally real. And oh, it's without... super hard to say no sometimes. But, you know... Um, yeah, you just got to say no sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> which is, it's honestly a really hard skill to, like, trait to master, especially nowadays. Like, everybody, like, you say no to somebody, and it's like, the world just ended. Oh, yeah. Like, it's <laughs> like, especially, God forbid, you tell, like, a tourist that's on vacation, no, and, you know, you just know. unleash the beast. And um, that's something, like, I'm the worst about it. Like, I'm, I'm a people pleaser. I try, you know... I want everybody to be happy. I want everything to go good. And life just doesn't work that way. And that's one skill that like my dad has. And like, I just admire so much because we'll be on our trips over in Kodiak. And unfortunately, I mean, there's times where you just can't go or you can go, but you shouldn't, you Mm -hmm. know, and we'll have a group that just, you know, spent two days flying across the country to get in just to get down to the boat and my dad go, yeah, we're not leaving for two days. And they're like, what? And it's like, well, there's 15 footers out there that we can go chop through for the next eight hours or we can sit here, watch movies and have a beer. Like, you know, you gotta, and it's just like, I, where I'm at in my life right now, I'd be hard pressed to look six grown men in the face that you know are paying me just paid the, this is their i always tell my dad like we're wedding planners for dudes like we we plan tri- <laughs> you know once in a lifetime trips for guys you know what I mean? like, and to look them in the face and be like 20 percent of your trip's gone and i'm sorry about it but there's nothing we can do because mother nature's being something right now yeah. and it's just but at the end of the day you just have to because there's like you said you can't you can't let somebody force you into a situation to potentially, you know, put yourself in harm's way or, you know, even worse, everybody you're with in harm's way. And no, that's a that's something that I, you know, 
I think that's super, super honorable to have that because, you know, it might be, you might ruin their day. You might ruin their vacation, but you might save their life and they might never know. You might never know. But at the end of the day, like you just, you know, you have to be the one to give that yes, no, you know, green light, red light. Yeah. And no, that's, that's interesting, especially because like, you know, I, I come from a business background my whole life. You know, my father's owned our own businesses. I've helped them run them. I have a degree in business management and it's like, I can see how, especially, you know, if you work for a big service, even not a, you know, huge service, but any of the services here locally, you know, you're going to run into, you, you don't, you don't run a flight. That's six clients that, you know, you have to refund. You either have to reschedule stuff like that. Like, when it comes down to numbers and the balance sheet, I can see super quick how that can turn into just a negative interaction with a boss or, you know, ahead of anything and just, ugh. I got to give a shout out to our dispatchers. To the dispatch. To the dispatch. Carrie, Jason, Mark, all you guys. Andrew, super awesome. You know, we cancel flights and the pilots are not even the people normally that have to talk to either the villagers or the tourists like that. That's the dispatcher or sometimes it's our director of operations and man, they do so much for us. Like, honestly, I show up for the day and all I do is get in the plane and I'm like, <laughs> where am I going? <laughs> you know, like let's, let's rock go. star lifestyle. Yeah, <laughs> Give me but, the keys. We're going, yeah. <laughs> but the work behind the scenes, like they do so much. It's so awesome. And I'm so grateful for them. We have such a good team there. It's super cool. Oh, that's awesome. Shout out to you guys. Hope y'all are listening and enjoying. <laughs> oh. Well, I wanted to transition a little bit now that we've kind of talked about your work lifestyle and stuff. When you're not flying, being awesome, looking at bears, <laughs> doing cool things, playing softball, what are some of your uh what are your what are your hobbies that you personally enjoy whenever you have some free time? Like what's kind of your just run down the list, like give us your like top three and kind of dig into them of what you personally enjoy, whether it be reading a book, hiking, anything. You just named them all, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Soccer is one of them. Um, I, I was pretty regular going to soccer about twice a week, one to two times a week before COVID was a thing. And then they started requiring masks. So I kind of stopped going for a while because you can see my glasses. The viewers can't see my glasses, but when you wear a mask and you run around, your glasses get fogged up and you can't see anything and it's not very fun. But uh, yeah, we just transitioned to masks optional, so I'm starting to go back to soccer a little bit more, so that's been good. It's definitely an awesome like winter winter thing. Awesome. Um, Do they have that up at the Spark building? Right yeah, now? it's at the Spark. We have it outdoors during the summertime. Yep. Um, but during the summertime, it's kind of hard for me because I'm just like so dead tired from work right. after, and I'm Red like, I don't already. know if I can <laughs> go run around. Um, but yeah, soccer during the winter time. I've been getting into um, classic cross country skiing, which nice. has been super fun. I like running during the summertime if I find the time to <laughs> or the energy to do that. Um, last this past fall, I did something super epic. Ooh, let's hear um, it. In California, I was all into wakeboarding. Uh, you know, people mm-hmm. have boats out there. My family had a boat. We'd go out to Castaic Lake and go wakeboarding and tubing and all that. 
Um, my friend Kyle uh, has a friend who let me borrow a wakeboard. And so I threw my wetsuit on, went out and catch my <laughs> bay and wakeboard. And I was like, oh, this is so epic. And I still have the wakeboard. I, <laughs> Sorry, Kyle's friend. I haven't given you your wakeboard <laughs> back. But I'd totally love to do it again Like once the, uh, the water awesome. is warm enough. It was so much fun. Like it, I mean, my friend Alex was visiting at the time, too. And she's like, she's been... Um, a friend of mine since we were in like kindergarten so she was up visiting and we just had an epic time and she's like this is probably the only time in my life that I will ever see wakeboarding with a mountain range in the background (laughs) full dry suit mountains in the background so cool no that's Um, awesome y'all just tether it behind a skiff and just kind of make a tow boat it was a boat and I got like a tow rope on Amazon shout out to Amazon (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Bezos sponsored the pod (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it was super cool and one thing I still want to do this winter is uh, get towed behind either a snow machine or a car like with a snowboard or like I don't know something cool because I got that tow rope and it's like an all season thing you know it doesn't just have to be for the summertime exactly we gotta we gotta tame that seasonal depression somehow yeah (laughs) but yeah softball too softball is definitely a big one I I think that's probably one of my like outside of flying definitely like the highlight of my summer usually because yeah. no. just having all our friends like hang exactly. out like shout like, out to the homer the beer homies. league softball league <laughs> yeah. hell yeah all the homies <laughs> right so that's how that's how mikey and i met mikey <laughs> we were talking about this before the podcast mikey doesn't remember <laughs> the moment we met i remember the moment we met embarrass me tell us tell the world and remind me because i'm a one horrible friend and i have the brains of mashed potatoes so my memory is garbage no it's all good um so i think it was like halfway through the season and you had definitely just gotten back from the boat because you i see this like rugged old old guy but like this rugged guy with like this long hair and he's, I don't know if you had your flappy hat on or not, but you had these massive fishing boots that seemed like when you ran with them, it seemed like they were like two sizes too big for your feet. And you, you got a hit and I was playing first base at the time. And I've met, I've met some wonderful people playing first base at, in this league or just like in general, but, um. <laughs> I don't remember what I said, but I remember like turning around and like looking at you. I was like, this guy's pretty cool. <laughs> he's like running around the bases in like these massive fishing boots and like he's got this long, luscious hair and he's like I remember I like that this exact guy. game. I'm pretty sure if I recall right, uh somebody else got a hit and I rounded second and ate shit <laughs> that later that inning and oh Oh my word! Oh. Yeah, hey, we, that's that's a beautiful thing about that league because it's very, it's extremely competitive, but it's very just, it's Homer. You know, there's no, you know, I like you said, I got done with a charter, drove down from the boat, still covered in slime. Exactly, <laughs> wearing extra tough. I'm wearing like. They were extra tubs. They were something else. They were like black. Oh, I think those were, yeah, they were uh, Grundin deck bosses. But yeah, they're like similar to extra tubs, a little floppier and a little looser fitting. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You you could just hear me running the bases. (laughs) Funk, 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 funk. It's just like mumbling, stumbling, and bumbling around the base path. And that wasn't the last time you wore them either. Oh, no. (laughs) That was a staple that season. 
But that is the first time I remember like seeing, like maybe not seeing you, but like noting, okay, this guy is cool. I want to be his friend. <laughs> right. Oh, oh goodness. No, and I bet awesome. I just smelt great too. Cause I know I was just covered in halibut slime and that stuff doesn't come out of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, God. Softball is cool. I don't think I've ever, so I played uh, church league softball back in California with my dad and my brothers. It was super fun. Um, but that's kind of what like got me interested in joining a league up here. You know, I'm, uh, you've had Katie on the podcast before. She told me about, um, softball and I started subbing because you know we work so much and it's like how can you commit to that but then I was like no I'm gonna commit so the next season I committed to a team and then yeah anyways it's just like super awesome but I've never played for a softball team where where you actually have to stop or pause games because there's moose in the outfield (laughs) (laughs) speaking of that don't I think you have a video on your Instagram of yes the (laughs) soccer moose that went nationally viral no international I got I got interviewed from Canada really yeah I actually made some money off that video that's awesome viral hog bought it and I think I didn't make that I think I think it was like uh 150 bucks that's dope i'm pretty sure that's where i saw it was on viral hog really yeah okay that's so funny no that's all so that was yours was the original video that went around because i know you there was two different videos so one was filmed from the stands at homer high school Mm -hmm. some guy was in the stands and he videoed the whole thing and i the moose like started playing with the ball and i was like oh this is epic and I think I took, like, a couple seconds to, like, go get my phone and record, but, you know, it didn't take me long to realize, I should probably record this. <laughs> so, <laughs> I went and, like, I started recording it, and I, where did I post it? I think I posted it, like, I just thought it was so cool. I was like, more people need to see this, and so I, like, posted it, I think, in, like, an Alaska life group or something on Facebook, and mm. people started, like, going nuts over it, and then, like, I got calls about people wanting to, like, buy it the next morning, and I was like, oh, that's, that's weird, that's yeah. new. I didn't know that yeah. was an option. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, obviously, like, this all took place during the summer, and, you know, this poor little moose was, like, lost out on the soccer, on the soccer turf, like, it's, it's generally, like, an enclosed area. You've been to oh, the yeah. school, <laughs> and I don't, I think there must have been, like, some kind of, like, break in the gate, like, over yeah, by the fence side. Open yeah, or weird. But this little moose was just, like, wandering around and, um, you know, we're not going to play soccer with a moose because we're not going to, like, run around and, like, intimidate it or, you know, we're just going to, you know, have your space, little moose, and we'll start playing again when you leave. <laughs> but no, I wanted to stick around and play for a bit. And, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty funny. That, that moose video. That's awesome. I love those encounters because I remember, shoot, playing baseball in high school and stuff, and the moose would jump a fence or something, or uh, also we'd have the sandhill cranes, like, come land, and, you know, so it doesn't sound like much. Oh, it's just a bird. Yeah, it's like a six-foot bird. <laughs> <laughs> like, you get, like, five of them, they become an issue, and you got to deal with them. Like, can't just have them hanging out in, like, left center. <laughs> they yeah. become a hazard. But, yeah, the, you know, stoppages for moose, or, like, in the summer, we always, they're always back there in the trees. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. You know, people and kids running around. We're like, hey, what? watch yeah. that giant mother moose right there. That <laughs> cow will stomp you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're all usually pretty aware of it. So no. it's not very long, typically, before everybody knows about it. Right, we're stopping exactly. a game because of it or calling fishing game because there's like this lost calf that yeah. can't find its mom. It's crying in the woods. Oh, there was one time that happened. It got sad. <laughs> <I guess laughs> very emotional podcast. It was. 
<laughs> we laugh. We cry. We have a good time. <laughs> right. That should be the new. We need to pitch that at the next uh, uh, coaches meeting. <laughs> what is it? We, we laugh. We cry. We are. Yeah. That should be our motto for, for the Homer League. So the Nads are coming back this year, huh? Yeah, they should be. Uh, I have to just figure out some stuff. It's It's been tough getting a team together of uh, all like-aged individuals because people think they can have their own life and go live other places <laughs> and act like the commitment to this softball team is not serious. How dare they? <laughs> right? <laughs> Move on, get careers and stuff. <laughs> but oh, No, it should be. That's the plan. It's... I hate to say it's becoming a chore. It's not, but I just like right now when I think of that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much stuff I need to do. That's the last thing on my mind. But no, the the Homer Home Service Nad Pulse, which might get uh, rebranded to the Average Alaskan Podcast Nad Pulse, but uh, right, uh, go growlers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all I gotta say is uh, two years in the league, two league championships. HHS, Nad Pulse, thank you very much. Hey, I did all the cheering for you guys this past summer. Yes, it was did. awesome. Yes, you did. And if you ever need to jump ship from that sinking vessel, oh, you're always welcome. Wow. <laughs> That's hurtful. I can't believe you would say Just that. Just kidding. All right, bye, guys. It's been fun. See ya. Mike See you, Mikey. We out of here. No, the growlers are awesome. Love you guys. But um, back to back, two times, never lost, undefeated. I might have to just retire the team and just really go out, Are, go you're out not two thinking and about two. That. No. You're not thinking about that. You guys have too much fun. Yeah, we do. No. And it's not just your team, too. The best, I think, not the best thing, but, like, one of the cool things about the softball league is, like, it's not just the teams that are hanging out. It's, like, the community. Oh, yeah. It's the whole community. Everyone's, like, you know, you got Homerites and people that have grown up there, people that are new there, and mm. everybody just hangs out. Everyone's super friendly. Exactly. People just come friends. in to watch. People yeah. to support. No, it's, it's a blast. And I... It is a very, like you said, just very community-based, and especially in the summer, because Homer's a very community-centered town, but over the, like, especially since COVID, like, it's just been it's been tough. People are separated, stuff like that, but softball in the summer, like, hectic, most hectic time in everybody's life. Summer, everybody's redlining, but everybody comes together, mm-hmm. softball, you know, twice a week, awesome time and then especially when the tournament rolls around oh, yeah. you get the whole town pretty much hanging out i shouldn't say whole town but you know the <laughs> all the important people in the town are down at the softball fields but uh, no <laughs> and yeah no it's an awesome just community event and it just it's hard it's it's hard pressed to not have a good time have a couple <laughs> drinks play some softball eat some food oh you want to hear much. something funny about the first uh season i played with summit that tournament okay so i think we were sitting around it was like the post like the tournament had finished and we were hanging out at the tent and i was like i i turned over i think it was probably joanna that i was looking at and i was like so what times are our game what times are our games this week <laughs> i had no idea that that was the end of the season i was so sad no one told me <laughs> you're just you're here like man there's a lot more people here than doable. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm not used to the 8 a.m. games. These are interesting. <laughs> I was so bummed after that. No, it is because it's just like. It's such a highlight. Yeah, and it's kind of the, like, once softball's over, it's kind of like the turning point of summer. Like, mm-hmm. 
you're like, oh shit, winter's almost here. Like, know, it's like it's it's like the beginning of August, but it's like it's all downhill from here. It's like just gotta pull through like a few more weeks, <laughs> and then it'll all be over. And then you gotta figure out what you're doing for the winter time and try right. to not get seasonal depression. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people do, but. You know, it's like a whole different, it, you do 180 degrees, like oh, living yeah. here, it's like summer is just, you, you live, live in a different world. Exactly. I was going to say, you have to, you, you're living two different lives. Like you, you, are. you really are. And cause you could be the most active person in the world. You could be, you know, running marathons every weekend, hiking every peak, fishing every weekend, stuff like that. And then winter comes around. And if you don't have a winter hobby or like something that kind of, you know, is your groove, it's super easy to find yourself, you know, inactive, or you might be, you know, you might love to read, but in the summer, you're, you know, working all the time, then you're, you know, going fishing, doing something like that. And then winter comes around, and you get to kind of get back in your, you know, your space and read or get caught up on other stuff. And it's just, or you have to, you know, get into like you, you just got into, you know, cross country skiing, or snowboarding, or snow machining, or there's just ice fishing, there's so much stuff you so much stuff up here to do, and it always feels like there's not enough time because the second you get kind of in the groove of whatever season it is, it's like, you know, already turning, already starting to change. Like right now, I mean, it's summer's sneaking up on us. Today's the first first official day of spring. Woohoo! Woo Snow's finally melting, at least out east and such <laughs> it is. I still have like five feet in our yard, which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, we'll be rolling right into spring hunting seasons and then the fishing season. And then I'm just excited to get out hiking. I've got, I'm super pumped for come August. I'll be starting my guiding and my packing and I need to be active and lose some weight and not uh -huh. be a lazy, <laughs> lazy bum because I have been, but you know how you can do that? Not eating Cheetos. There we go. Dude, I, I need to use, I bought that little like slow pitch softball pitching machine. Oh, what? I need to, yeah. Let's take it out. Let's do this it. This week. I'm down. I'm totally down. Let's go. Hey, uh, the field should Wednesday. be cleared. Wednesday. What, what day is today? Today's Monday. Monday. Yeah, I think I could pull Wednesday. Wednesday okay. evening? Wednesday afternoon. Afternoon? Yeah. Yeah. You done? I'm down. Okay. I've got, I've got all the bats packed up. I, do, I got bats. I oh. got balls. We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. We could even. That sounds epic. I could, I could shoot some messages around. We might be able to get a full little fun. fiasco going. Yeah, <laughs> so, that'd be really cool. Just like no. a preseason warm up or just like get together of all the buddies. Oh, exactly. It's it's getting warm out. We need to get some vitamin D. No, this this weather, this time of year is kind of nice because it's just like before all the tourists get here and before mm. the craziness, like May 1st hits and it's like you hit it's the ground like, running exactly. full speed. But right now it's, you know, it's almost April. So April's like, you know, I'm going to be in training for uh, my new job and everyone's going to be prepping for the summer season, like doing their training for whatever they're doing. And, you know, you're getting into the guiding stuff and prepping for that. You're also moving. Yeah. <laughs> you're also moving. This yeah, month. that could get done sooner than later. That'd <laughs> yeah. be nice. I'm tired of worrying about that. Yeah. yeah. Just so you guys know, still not in the new studio. That's okay. We're still here. In my living room, on the <laughs> coffee table, because that's how table. we roll here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this like this time of year is just like so nice because we've got all the daylight. Like, I mean, how was that sunset behind me? I didn't get to see it. Oh, it was phenomenal, Very and nice. it's still like it's it's over. But you can on the horizon. There's still some color changes it's, going. No, and what no. time? It's it, like it's, over. it's, it's over. ten o'clock. Oh, <laughs> I'm holding on, dude. I'm holding <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> I'm holding out. 
I see some green next to the black. <laughs> it's really just his neighbor with a flashlight. Right, exactly. <laughs> No, uh, but, but this... yeah, like it's just it's just awesome. Like we're just prepping to get ready for those uh, mm. those that busy season, and yeah. it's just like let's let's. Take... And I feel like this is the time of the year that we get to like as Alaskans collectively kind of take for ourselves. Enjoy. Like we just got yeah. out of winter. It's like oh, it's staying light later. It's getting warm. <laughs> Tourists aren't here. And it's like you don't have like the hubbub of like all the summer stuff. If you've got a greenhouse going, you might get be getting some starters out and stuff like mm. that. But other than that, like. You still have you, you have free time still. Yeah. It's like your your time's not all allocated yet. And oh no, I love this time of the year. Except for the roads, the roads get real shitty. Yeah, <laughs> Break yeah. he up. still is awful. Oh. I I got two flat tires <laughs> really? last year, and they were both within like three days of each other. Oh, dude, it was awful. Buzzkill. <laughs> Terrible. The roads are awful. I'm also debating like when I should take my studs off my tires. I have. A, I need to do. Uh, that's another is that tricky. Too soon? Oh, mm, is your car all wheel drive? No. Uh, front wheel? Mm-hmm. Mm. See, it's tricky because you, you have to play it. You you don't want to wait till everybody starts doing it because then it takes forever to get them yeah. done and then you're just hosed. But if you do it like now, we might, you know, it might, exactly, it might be fun. It's a like false spring. Like it really feels it's like not, spring. Though. It's not. Don't, it's the first day. It's the first Don't day of spring. Joy, it's no longer you. winter. But we could still get three feet of snow in the next two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you never know because it's Alaska. And it's all about that. It's just going to yeah. hit you when you're down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, I think I think here in the next week, I would say it's fair game. Like if I just like keep an eye on the weather. <laughs> but no, I think you'd be fine. Especially yeah. this time of the year, if we get a snow, it's going to melt within... 48 hours and yeah, it's hopefully so warm. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully. but no that that's the worst thing because i have all of our work trucks need to get switched over and it's just like like do we do it because the second <laughs> like you said the second you do you're just asking for some more snow yep. but if you drag your feet then you're in line with eight thousand other people to get your <laughs> tires switched yeah, <laughs> that's seriously. even worse then it's like screw it just run them all summer and just <laughs> keep them off <laughs> I did that the COVID summer because they made it a rule. Right. They made it a law. Like, really? We're going to ticket people when they're stuck. I didn't on. know that. That's and it was hilarious. the last. It was the last uh, season that I was going to get off of my studs anyway. And I feel kind of bad for saying that because like the roads are so bad. Like uh, like they're all like gro- like grooved. Um, like they have those bumps. And I'm making hand gestures right here that none of you guys can see. But um, part of it's my fault because in 2020 I didn't take my studs off. I'm sorry, you guys. <laughs> city of Palmer, i apologize right now our roads are so bad like and it's just like i feel bad but i'm gonna talk all the shit i want because our roads are trash right now east hill's bad west hill's bad catch mac drive is ungodly oh yes but that road between uh pioneer and that stoplight in town that Mm -hmm. they just put in they spent all summer doing it last year. <laughs> it's the best road in town. That's fair. And that's uh, the problem with doing any type of like road infrastructure work here too is like there's not other options. Like if you <laughs> if you patch East End, like you're shutting down a third of the community. <laughs> like yeah. I remember it was probably shoot, this might have been like five or six years ago, but it was like two summers in a row that they worked on East End every day. And it was shut down to one lane traffic and whatnot, but then they'd shut it down for like, you know, they'd let 
three sets of cars go through or whatnot, and then shut it down for like 30 minutes because they were doing like culvert work and oh stuff. My and my no, we live more, my dad lives way out east, and the commute was generally mm, 20, 25 minutes into town. There was days it took me over two and a half hours to get from pretty much McNeil oh, into wow. town because the construction was just horrendous and there would just be a massive line of people and then it'd start moving but it would take like eight flagger trips to get you th- oh dude it was just horrible that and that's awful yeah and i just know now that i'm moving to the top of west hill that they're gonna start working on <laughs> west hill and i'm either gonna have to take like skyline all the way to east hill and oh, go down or they need to Diamond work on east hill first anyways yeah east no, it's good. Terrible. Bad. there's a couple potholes that are like like last year, I, I kept making the joke. There's one uh, kind of by McDonald's in town that uh-huh. was just like massive, like Could four foot deep, it. but it wasn't like, <laughs> but it was like probably two foot by two foot, but like four foot deep. And I was like, in the middle of the night, I need to just like go plant a little spruce tree in it and just <laughs> causing it, like make them fix it. <laughs> like there is now a tree growing in our road because y'all <laughs> refuse to fill this crater. There's just oh. bending ribs left and right. And East Hills getting to that point. So there's, yeah. there's just massive potholes left and right. And it's like, oh, did God. you see that one on catch Mac drive before, like in between the spit and the airport? Mm. You did see that one? Mm-hmm. That they filled that one. Yeah. Like recently. Good. I mean, I I was on that road like going to work one day and I stopped for the pothole and I think it was funny because there's no potholes on the other side of the road. So the guy that was like driving the opposite direction also stopped, but he didn't he probably thought I was stopped for like a moose or something. I was stopped because I had to wait for him to go by to go around the pothole. <laughs> but he was stopped on the other side of the road, so I couldn't go around the pothole. But um yeah, that was like you it's like a pothole hot spring. Like you could literally go in a bathing suit and like go sit yeah. in it. No, it's crazy. <laughs> with some hot water or something. No, this fall over Kodiak, it was hilarious. They had kind of the same issue. They were getting a bunch of potholes popping up and we were in between trips and we're driving to the town. I was like, what is going on? Instead of filling all the potholes, they just took like half inch sheets of steel and just laid them in the road over the potholes all around <laughs> town. And just like, and I don't know what type of like, you know, I don't know who pitched that idea. They were like, mm-hmm, yeah, we're going to run with that one. Because they weren't even, like, flat. Like, I don't know where they found the most warped half-inch steel sheets, but they just, like, laid them up. And not even, like, you think they'd put pointy ends down, bubble, you know, yeah. upwards. Yeah. No. It was, like, a freaking <laughs> little bowl. You got four corners of just oh. raw sheet steel. I was like, what is going on? I was like... Somebody needs to balance this budget in the state because this stuff's getting out of control. And oh. oh my goodness, um, me and the president of Alaska Bible Institute, Eric. Um, I don't know if he's going to get mad at me for mentioning this, but we were uh, driving through Talkeetna on a mission trip a couple weeks ago, and you know how Talkeetna has a mayor that's a cat. Oh, yep. <laughs> he thought it would be cool. What if we had the mayor of Homer as an animal too? And you're like, oh, what well, would be a good animal? I was like, you can't do a cat. Cats kind of suck. I know I saw some cat food over there, so I'm sorry to your cat, but I don't like cats at all. It's okay. Henny's kind of a terrorist. So. <laughs> <laughs> but like a goat, like someone oh. could promote the goat. What goat type of goat? Cool. Like I don't know. house goat? Or like, can we tame a mountain goat? 
Uh, <laughs> probably like a house goat. Yeah. Because like the cat in Talkeetna would hang around in Alley Brewing. And oh. so they would get tourists that would come and take pictures. The cat would, was friendly. And it's like, oh, you go to Denali Brewing and there's the mayor. You know, right. that's pretty cool. But like, you know, I see people walking their goats I was on just, the beach. I was just going to bring harbor. up that dude. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I cool. bet. Like, come pet my goats. <laughs> not in a weird way, but right. not like the goats were there. We should start it here. 2022. That dude's goat and the other goat is vice goat. We're <laughs> running goat. Okay, but Mikey, if there was a goat up for vote for the mayor of Homer, would you vote for it? I'd vote a goat in at every stage in any election, hands down over a person. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like a laugh in politics face too. Like oh, it's so serious. Exactly. It's like, I couldn't tell you. I have no clue who the mayor of Homer is. I, I didn't know we had one. Like, <laughs> I, we had one. <laughs> I assumed, but if you told me like gun to my head, does Homer have a mayor? I'd probably say no. I'd be like, because I'd be like, it's a trick question. I'm like, there's got to be a mayor, right? You've got to have a mayor. They do something. You right? know, if you had a mayor, if it was a goat, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but the publicity for Homer too, like that's some good, right? That's some good stuff right there. Someone could, I mean, it'd have to be someone that would like devote their time to the goat. Oh yeah, taking care of the mayor. Mayor's you could find somebody. Shoot, my college, we our school mascot was a uh, shoot Saint Bernard. Uh, the I think that's the right. Same Bernard, the big, yeah, the ones that like, the, like uh, Beethoven. Yes. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> but that was our school mascot, Spirit, and Spirit had its own parking spot. It had its own convertible Mini Cooper. Like the dog <laughs> ran the place, and bless its heart, Spirit just retired. I hated the dog personally because they let him into the cafeteria and he just mouth breathed on all the food. And I thought that shit was gross. <laughs> and nobody else saw that as an issue. I saw it as an issue and I hated the dog. I resented that dog all four years of college because of that. Because it wasn't even like he would just run in. Nobody's with him. He's just like, over at the pizza. Just like, <laughs> I'm like, he wanted some pizza. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I was like, just. Keep the dog away from the food. He could be around the people, just not breathing on the food. <laughs> and, oh, goodness. But, yeah, no, they treated that dog like he ran the world. We could for sure, I mean, we'd. I think we'd have to pull a couple more strings for a goat because at the end of the day, he's a goat. But it's a lot less maintenance. You give him a couple tin cans, he'll be happy. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we'd have to get the right people on board. Oh, yeah. But who would who would we go to that? Like city council? Who? How do you? Probably city council. Yeah. I mean, I know a couple people on the Chamber of Commerce. We, I like, I want to, I want to further investigate into this because I'd be so for it. Because, like you said, it's a great publicity move for Homer in general, like statewide, nationally, like yeah. goat mayor for sure. Goat mayor. Nobody actually needs a mayor. If you're a mayor out there and you're listening, I'm sorry if I offend you. I don't know what you do as a job, and if I don't know what you directly do. Your job can't be that important, right? Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. But but I'm sure we could, you know, we could pawn off those tasks on somebody else that doesn't get paid enough to do it. But that's all right. The goat will get a good paycheck. He'll have good health, health insurance. We'll get him dental, some <laughs> horn insurance. It'll be sweet. But <laughs> you got to keep those tips looking good. Oh, And we'll have to figure out the right breed of goat because we got to get like we want something like flashy, but not too over the top. Maybe like, not even flashy, you know. Like, keep it, keep it, keep average. it sim- exactly. Keep it average, keep it average Alaskan. Alaskan. I love it. Plug it. <laughs> oh, but big horns or little horns or no horns? What type of goat? Maybe just like 
small to medium. Small to medium horns. Like yeah. you don't, you don't, you don't want to be intimidating. Exactly. Plus, so it, it becomes a logistical issue too. Like doorways, cars. You can't have them tearing stuff up. Break a window. Like, <laughs> you can't be in the city hall meeting addressing the Mr. town. Mr. And just Mr. Like, Mayor, please, please stop. <laughs> exactly. Get away from that window. <laughs> All right. <laughs> just breaking stuff left and right. Oh God. Oh. Oh, well, let's, uh, now that we're getting into all the serious stuff, goat mayor, um, any last things you want to kind of address anything that you wanted to bring up that we didn't touch on or not that I can think of. I mean, I think we've got our work cut out for us you know, <laughs> right. in the future. I think we can make this like a softball goat mayor. Oh, dude. We, we, like, we we didn't solve all the world's problems, but we sure did create a couple more, and I'm excited to solve those problems. And put all the other ones behind yeah. us. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll ask you just a couple quick little wrap them up questions, and it's getting late, and I don't want to eat up too much of your time. You've already been gracious enough with it. <laughs> um, give kind of your top three takeaways for somebody or kind of go-tos has to be done for somebody that's coming up to Alaska either to vacation or say they're moving up to Alaska, whether it's permanent or part-time, what are some kind of big takeaways they should either do or kind of prepare themselves for, for a trip up to Alaska? Hmm. Um, prepare themselves for obviously fun. <laughs> definitely yeah. prepare for lots of fun i think it depends on the mission you know different people want to do different things when they come up here it's either fishing bear viewing uh sightseeing people love glacier tours that's yeah. pretty popular um i think it's wise to maybe you know like like the activities that you have planned to do um just be prepared for those you know what you wear and what you do you know i one of the things that i love being asked is like or from the tourists is typically, you know, like, where's your favorite place to eat? Or like, what is there to do? And it starts like a personal conversation, you know, like, like, what are your recommendations? And, you know, um, talk to a local. I don't, I don't really know exactly what, uh, what someone should prepare for, you know, definitely the fun thing that I mentioned, (laughs) but, um, yeah, this is, it's, it's a different world up here. Um, I think that was a good way to kind of explain that though. Just kind of be open-minded and like you said, talk to a local. You should do that anywhere you go. If you're traveling somewhere, you don't, don't go in with any preconceived notions. Ask somebody who knows what's going on. And especially when it comes to food, you will find the food. Follow the locals. They know where to eat. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. No. All right. Um, Let's, let's flip flop one more little cakewalk question. Uh, anything that you think that is overrated about Alaska and not worth your time to do if you're up here? Ooh. Um. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I don't know. It's, it's also kind of hard to answer because... You know, I'm trying to think of things like, oh, Glacier Tour. Like, all the things that I just listed, like, like what would not be cool about that? But some of the things that I'm also thinking of are also things that I've never done. done. Like, I've never yeah. gone on a halibut charter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't have time. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a busy I've, woman, okay? <laughs> I've never been up to Denali National Park. I've, yeah. you know, I've, uh, yeah, just, like, all these cool places that I might not get to visit for quite a while, which mm-hmm. is fine because I love what I do. But, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think definitely go to a local for the food. I think the food places is like maybe yeah. maybe some places like in Homer that aren't really worth your time that some people would be <laughs> <laughs> go here. Like they look the restaurants look cool and That's fair. What's your what's your top place to eat? Your personal favorite. I tell you that over the radio or on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, probably, uh, I want to say Alibi, but Alibi's like never open anymore. Dude, I haven't been there since the pandemic started. They're so unpredictable with their hours. Um, Hands down, best restaurant in Homer. I don't don't even think they consider themselves a restaurant. Food is amazing. Yeah, the halibut tacos and the wings. Wings are dynamite. But you can't, it's just hard because you can't like... No, when they're not open or open. Because, like, you look online and it's like, oh, yeah, they're open. And then you call and it's like, oh, we're closed for the next two weeks. Oh, dang it. Dang it, right. Uh, other than that, Glacier D just closed. Like, I think closed? I think permanently. Yeah. No. I know. Dude, that was Sad a staple. Tears. A spit staple. I know. Dang it. Another one. Bites the dust. I know. Mike's. So Mike's is an amazing is awesome. sandwich place. You can't sit down there, though. Yeah, which that's always... a. A bummer, but good yeah. for them. They have they freaking killed it when they opened. They've been closed for a while too, though, which is kind of a bummer. They do kind of two week stents where they. You're just saying that because it's your name. Hey, <laughs> good name. What can <laughs> I say? Good name, good food, good sandos. Gotta love a good sando. It is a good sandwich yeah. for sure. Oh. Um. Oh, I know. Home slice. You ever been a home slice? I think it's called home slice. That pizza place on the spit, it's new. Oh, no, I haven't yet. It is so good. Really? Yep. Where's it? Uh, what boardwalk is it on? It's not on a boardwalk. It's on the left-hand side. Oh. Yeah. Weird. Oh, Next is to it? Next the uh, sea urchin place, or the blue urchin. Okay, so that, um, kind of the first set of buildings on the left there. I think so, yeah. Well, it was like, I think like Maverick Charters it's and near a couple the other things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I've, I've walked by it once... Everything on the spit was closed. I walked by, I was like, huh, I'm down here almost every day in the summer. Did not know this existed. (laughs) I was like, which I hate myself for. I was like, we live in a town of 5,000 people. New restaurant opens. I was like, this this exists? No, I'll have to give that a shot. Yeah, you should. You'll be happy you gave it a try. It's good stuff. I'll need to this summer for sure. Oh, well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Let everybody know where they can find you on any of your social media platforms. You've got a pretty awesome Instagram where you put a lot of your adventures and stuff. Uh, What's your name there so people can find you and give you a follow? Brittany Spins. Brittany underscore. So B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y underscore Spins. (laughs) (laughs) Heck yeah. Awesome follow. Awesome content, a ton of that bear viewing stuff that we were talking about earlier is up there, a ton of awesome aviation stuff. Give her a follow. It's worth it. You ain't got nothing better to do, so go give it a like. Go give it a follow. Um, Other than that, any last things you need to address before we hop on? I can let you get on with your evening. (laughs) No, I think that's it. Thanks for having me. Awesome, of course, and uh, we'll have to do some... Let's see, Wednesday, we'll see Wednesday. softball, yeah. exactly. Roll that right into the summer, and then <laughs> hopefully uh, we'll catch past a couple times between our busy summers. Heck yeah. All righty, well, thank you again, and to everybody out there, enjoy your spring. Glad it's here. Black Bear season's right around the corner. we got an awesome interview coming up next week, talking about some bear guiding stuff and all kinds of fun, interactive stuff there. So stick around till next week, and in the meantime, go get some vitamin D. Have a good one, guys.